0: Hello, you are listening to Second City Sermons, a ministry of Second City Church in Midtown Harrisburg. This summer, we are back in the book of Psalms. John Calvin rather famously wrote that the Psalms are an anatomy of the soul, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. The Psalms sing high joys for salvation and the beauty of this world, and yet meet us in the low places as we cry out for justice and weep over the sorrowful state of this world. All of life, absolutely all of it, is invited to be laid before our Lord in the Psalms, these prayers and songs to God. So we'd love to meet you, and we hope you'll consider coming and joining with us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the heart of Midtown Harrisburg. You can find us online at secondcitychurch.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope you enjoy this sermon, and God bless.
1: Thank you, Lord, that you have gathered us together here this morning to worship you. Thank you for the, the ministry of the music team and for Jess and for uh, the, the way they have brought us uh, into your presence We thank you for your word, which is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And we pray now that your word will speak to us. Holy Spirit, work through your word and exalt Christ among us. Have your way in our hearts for uh, your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 122 is one of the uh, 15 Psalms of Ascent. Now, uh, Peter said, uh, preach any psalm you want. And uh, so I picked this one, and then afterwards it's like, why did I pick this one? <laughs> but uh, it's very good, and I, I tell you why I picked it. I picked it because of the first verse. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And uh, that is so wonderful, and I feel that existentially. Shelley and I feel that. we have uh, I stepped down from being pastor at Shore Harvest in Easton, Maryland in 2016. And since that time, it's been something of a wilderness experience where we've gone to different churches at different, you know, we go to church every week, but we didn't really have a church home. uh, And there was no other PCA church within, you know, close driving distance at all uh, to to us there in Easton. and, And we didn't know where to move and all that. But the Lord led us to Hummelstown, and the Lord led us here to second city and it is so wonderful to be in a body of believers that love the Lord love each other care for each other and it is so such a, a glad thing to come together to the house of the Lord and worship with his people So we think about the psalm of a we know that uh, the people of Israel were a uh, a, a pilgrim people uh, you know, we think of them, you know, from the days of their father. Abraham didn't have a, a home. He didn't have any land except for the grave site that he bought. Other than that, he was wandering about in a tent, Isaac and Jacob after him. And even as they settled into the land, uh, they were a people on pilgrimage. They, they knew that uh, things were not secure uh, in their home all the time. And they would come up on pilgrimage. They were supposed to come up. Three times a year everyone come on pilgrimage to worship the Lord together and uh, so they have that history throughout their generations and uh, in uh, Jesus day they were coming up so Jesus came up with people his hometown was in Galilee and he would come with people from Galilee and they would sing the songs of ascent on the way so while this is a psalm of David Uh, It's also a psalm of Jesus Christ. It's a psalm Jesus sang. And, you know, I was thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about it for a month, and uh, I just told someone, you know, that's one of the problems we're having that long. I've changed my outline like three times. It's like if if I had another week, I'd change my outline again because there's so many different things. But um, one of the things that I've been focusing on is that Jesus was not a critic of the psalm. You know, and it's like we tend to be critics of things. We tend to think, oh, you know, why did David write this this way? You know, or why, you know, even of the word of God, sometimes we think, well, this, oh, you know, why does he talk about, you know, smashing things and, you know, whatever, things that offend us a little bit. It's like, do you think Jesus criticized the way, what David wrote? No. No jesus inspired It was the spirit of christ the holy spirit of god that inspired this jesus was singing it more than in a way that you and i can't even imagine as an author of it if you will it was coming from him from his heart so you know today i want to look at this psalm uh in a twofold manner from david's perspective and from jesus perspective Uh, David, in David's day, they were uh, coming out of a period in which the Philistines had ruled over them. And uh, you remember all the battles and, and uh, King Saul going out to battle and David going to battle. And, and uh, after the Philistines killed Saul uh, on, on the battlefield and his sons, David became king. And he became king in Hebron uh, for a number of years. And and then uh, there was civil war, right? Because Abner didn't want David to be king over all Israel. Abner thought that Ishbosheth should be the king, and so they go into a period of civil war. So when we come, you know, we tend to think David, Jerusalem, peace, Solomon, peace. It's like that's not their history. Think about. Uh, the Civil War in the United States and, and the hard feelings from that that linger to this day, especially among uh, our brothers and sisters in the South, uh, I think a little more than in the North. But uh, it, these are hard things, and this was fresh for the people. And so when they're, they're coming, uh, David is uh, writing this psalm about peace be within you, peace in the tribes. The tribes weren't at peace. Very recently. Yesterday they weren't at peace. You know, Peace be within. Had a, they had a feeling of scattered, being scattered, being broken down, being oppressed by the Philistines recently, being oppressed by others. In Jesus' day, the Romans ruled over the people of Israel, and millions and millions of Jews did not live in Israel. They were still in Babylon. Not everybody returned from Babylon. They were still in Alexandria. There were so many Jews in Alexandria. I looked it up and I didn't write it down, but it was, you know, 600,000 or so, something like that. A lot. And probably a million Jews in Egypt. And of course in Rome and all the, you know, there were Jews scattered everywhere. And Jews from all over the place would come to Jerusalem. And that's what Jesus, that's what David had in mind when he captured jerusalem you know, david said this is what i was made for as is, is uh my first point david said this is what i was made for to build this city to have this place where people can come and worship the lord because david was a worshiper of the lord david loved the lord he loved the lord with all his heart and that's why uh, god blessed david so much he said david was a man after his own heart uh, you think of david as a shepherd and uh you know when when uh, samuel went out to uh, find a son of jesse that he was supposed to anoint to be king it wasn't the tall and the strong and the the uh one that looked brave and handsome and, and all that it was the shepherd boy and god said it's because of his heart He's the one, you know, you, you look on the outside, I look at the heart, I look at the heart, and his heart was a heart of worship. Think of him out there with a sheep writing psalms. The heavens declare the glory of God. He's out there at night with the sheep and all the wild animals that want to get the sheep and uh, looking at the stars and the heavens declaring the glory of God. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. The Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. He sees the sun coming up, and that sun's not my salvation. It might be chasing some of these wild animals back into their lair, but the Lord is my light, and the Lord is my salvation. Who will I fear? Of whom will I be afraid? And, of course, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So David, who became the great shepherd of Israel, as it were, being the king of Israel, uh, the the first great king of Israel, uh, he recognized, he never forgot, he was a sheep. He was a sheep. And his primary relationship wasn't as God's king. It was as God's sheep because he had a heart that recognized that he needed God and he worshiped God in that way. So this David, who was the king, uh, says, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. So, obviously, the me is David the king. Who are Who is the they? Who would say something like this to the king? <laughs> well, who would say something like this to you and me? Let's go to the house of the Lord. Hopefully a Christian friend, a Christian spouse, maybe our children. Sometimes our children want to come together to worship more than we do sometimes. It's like, oh, let's sleep in today. But our kids say, no, I want to go to church. Uh, and maybe it's your parents. Let's go to church. Oh, can't I stay and play something or whatever? But, but uh, whoever it is, David says, I was glad. And then later in the Psalms it says, for the sake of my, my companions and friends, know it's his friends his companions his brothers they said to him let's go to the house and david who was the leader of god's people became the follower you know and and sometimes we think that oh peter's the leader oh dan's the leader oh you know whatever whoever the leader is but it's like each one of us can be the leader children you can be the leader when you say let's go to church you're the leader and uh the Lord can use each one of us to lead others to worship him. And praise God, he's willing to do that, and he does that. It's sweet to come and and worship the Lord. It's sweet to worship the Lord alone, which David did, but it's even more sweet. It's another level when people who have been worshiping the Lord individually, alone, who uh, wake up early in the morning and pray, who who uh, stay up at night and pray and read the word and study the word, and get together and worship the Lord together. As a corporate pilot, I have been in a lot of strange places. Strange to me. I have been a stranger in a lot of places, I should say. Uh, but, you know, one advantage of that is that uh, you get to worship with a lot of different people. And... Uh, you know, I kind of wish that I would have done that. I was a, uh, I was a uh, regional airline pilot before, and I didn't go to that many places, and you never had time to hang out anywhere that we went. But uh, I, I kind of wish that I had been a corporate pilot before I became a pastor. It really gives you appreciation of how different people worship in different places and praise God for the diversity in the body of Christ and how so many people in so many different places are exalting Jesus Christ in their worship, and they're they're doing what the Holy Spirit is leading them to do, to worship Jesus Christ and to exalt him and to build up his kingdom and to reach people who need Jesus, people who are are struggling in their lives and know that they need something, but they don't know what it is and don't know who it is, and they need Jesus. David uh, said, I have worked for this. I built this city. You know, he's he's talking about going up to Jerusalem. Well, this is the city that he built. Uh, it wasn't very long ago. One of the commentators said, just yesterday, it was Jebus. It was the home of the Jebusites, and some of you know uh, the story. How David, uh, after he was king in Hebron for seven years. Uh, things were very divided because Isbosheth was king somewhere else and he was king in Hebron, and it's like, now am I going to make everyone? It's like, no, and the Lord led him to go and continue the conquest of the land, really, which had not really been complete ever since the day of Joshua. Uh, Jerusalem was still occupied by the Jebusites, and it was a stronghold. It's a city with ancient roots and ancient history way back in abraham's day uh we know of uh, a certain priest melchizedek shelley's been gone to a bible study we we're talking about melchizedek and melchizedek was was priest of S- salem right and salem uh the commentators historians tell us was ancient jerusalem it was a it was a settlement without walls and uh Salem means peace. So Melchizedek was prince of peace, and he was, uh, or he was king of peace, and the king, king of Salem, and a uh, foreshadowing, a type of Christ, as Hebrews goes into detail telling us. Um, in any event, the Jebusites uh, ran over that uh, peaceful village, and uh, they built uh, uh, Jebus, uh, their city, and uh, put walls around it. And by the time of David, they were firmly escouched in their walls, and they said, nobody is ever going to get in here. Jerusalem is a city fit firmly together, and you're not getting in here, David. The, li- the blind and the lame will keep you from coming in here. And, uh, but uh, David's nephew, uh, Joab, uh, figured out how to go up through the water system and opened the gates, which made it a lot easier. But uh, in any event, David risked his life to capture this city. He went in, and, and they captured it, and it became the city of David. And he built it up stronger. Solomon built it up stronger. Uh, and But it was always situated as a stronghold. And so that in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, when uh the Lord's judgment came upon his people. You'll remember, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't just march into that place, could he? No, he laid siege to it, and the siege uh, was a 30-month siege. Those of you who can do quick mental math know that's close to three years. And the reason why he was able to get in was because they were starving to death. I mean, he, it wasn't that this city was easy to get into <laughs> So David tells us, Jerusalem, a city uh, uh, built firmly together. I worked for it. I risked my life for it to come after it, um, uh, to to take it. And and why did he do this? Why did he take Jerusalem? Well, like I said, a, a capital for himself. But more than that, he had in mind a central place of worship because the house of God had been in a tent. Ever since the time of Moses, moving around from one place to another, the, the tabernacle was moved, and the, the Ark of the Covenant was within the Holy of Holies, inside a tent. And David wanted to move it to Jerusalem, and he wanted to build a temple. And uh, God said, uh, David, I appreciate that, but you are not going to build a temple because you have shed too much blood. He was a man of war. And sometimes we forget, David was a man of war because he was fighting the Lord's battles the Lord led him the Lord uh, leads each one of us in different ways and sometimes we're critical of each of each other more than we should be i know and we think why is this person so argumentative for you know whatever and it's like well maybe the Lord is leading that person to argue for this or that point you know and and different churches it's i the church that the Lord led me to in Pittsfield Massachusetts so i was Based in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, so I went there more than any other church. But it was a uh, Advent church, not a Seventh Day Adventist, but an Advent church, which is an old denomination that focuses on Jesus' second coming. But the pastor there was always saying things almost every week, saying things critical to the Catholic Church, and and talking about the founding of our country and and uh, the founding fathers. Uh, being christian and things like that and it's like why does he say this every week and you know and but praise god he brought us to jesus and and many people were coming to christ and people were coming out of churches that weren't preaching the gospel and coming to his church and it's like that's what the lord was leading him to say and the lord is leading him and praise god for what lord is leading peter to say that's largely why we're here because of the preaching that peter brings and the music and the worship and everything but but different people, the Lord leads in different ways. Uh, at this point, you're saying, what in the world are you talking about? Why are you babbling about all these different things? <laughs> well, the Lord leads. Um, I, I uh, have got to uh, thank the Lord for Shelley and the Christian wife. I mentioned before how sometimes it's the Christian spouse, Christian family that brings you to the Lord. Shelley uh, has been reading *Mystery of Providence* by the great Puritan minister John Flavel of Dartmouth. Uh, what it, he says: What Providence introduces is of special regard and consideration, and by no means to me, be neglected by us. Lord, help us to see that what you are about, and help us to be quick to join into it. So, what, what Providence uh, brings to you. Uh, is something that we should embrace shelly and i uh, often pray in the morning what are you doing today lord what what are what are you about help us to see what you're about flavel uh continues there are leading providences which however slight and trivial they may seem in themselves yet in, res- in respect justly challenged the first rank of providential favors to us because they usher in a multitude of other mercies and draw a blessed train of happy consequences such a providence was it that of jesse's sending with provisions of his brethren to lay and camp in the enemy uh, in the army and thus every christian may furnish himself out of his own stock of experience if he will but reflect and consider the place where he is, the relation that he has, and the way by which he is led into them. One providence leads to another. Some of you are good at, at uh, Puritans, and I'm not great at even reading, Purit- reading it out loud. But the point here is one little thing that the Lord leads you to do, say yes. Don't say no. If the Lord is leading you to do... Because you don't know what the next thing would be. David uh, was told by his dad, take this cheese and this bread and, the, and these skins, take take them up to your brothers who are camped out against the Philistines. And he obeyed, and he did it. And what did he end up doing? He ended up killing the giant, Goliath, who had been threatening the army of the Lord. There are little things every day that you and I... Uh, have opportunity with which we have opportunity think of arnan and his four sons they're threshing wheat in the threshing floor imagine you were one of his sons you're tired oh dad do i have to go out and thresh again today you know isn't aren't we almost done you know who knows how many days they've been doing it or whatever but they went out they obeyed they they were uh, doing what the lord called them to do and they saw the angel of the lord (laughs) you know One little obedience. You don't know what one little obedience is going to lead to. I've worked for this, and David uh, also said, I'm imagining better future than this. He was imagining the 12 tribes of Israel in peace. He was fighting the civil war. And he was imagining the 12 tribes in peace. What's their peace focused on? Their peace isn't focused on, Okay, now Dan and now Benjamin are going to get along with Judah and Simeon. No, it wasn't based on that. His piece, the peace was based on the Lord that they were going to worship the Lord together. The tribes in peace. David had a uh, imagination that was sanctified obviously not perfect obviously he imagined many things he shouldn't imagine and got himself in deep trouble imagining things he shouldn't imagine and you and i are not perfect praise god for jesus christ who is perfect but pray for the lord to give us sanctified imaginations that will imagine better things better things than what sometimes we just keep thinking of things that are not good keep thinking of things that don't have good endings. Keep thinking of things that are depressing and, and don't have to do with Jesus Christ being exalted and our lives being effective in helping others. But praise God, by His grace, the Holy Spirit can help us to imagine better things. David was imagining the temple actually being there. You know, he, He's talking about going up. He says, For the sake of your temple. The temple wasn't there yet. David wanted to build the temple, but it wasn't there yet. He wasn't allowed to build the temple. He was collecting for the temple. And in our Old Testament reading, we read about how uh, the uh, uh, angel of the Lord met them on the the threshing floor of Ornan, the the Jebusite, and said, Build an altar here. It's like, okay, this is where the temple will be, which uh, history tells us was where uh, it was on Mount Moriah, which is where, uh, Abraham was told to go uh, a couple days' journeys, uh, take your son, your only son Isaac, and sacrifice him to me. And he went the whole way to, I believe, and it's not exactly clear it was Ornan's threshing floor, but it was some time before that, but it was on Mount Moriah that he sacrificed, uh, or that he was led to sacrifice uh, Isaac, and the Lord provided a substitute for him. And David had a view for the temple being there. And the Lord promised that his son would be able to build it, and Solomon did. And it was a temple that brought people from all over the world, not just Jews from all over the world. You remember the Queen of Sheba came to see this. People from all over the world came to see it. It was a wonder of the ancient world. And people came to believe in God because of, of that. David was a prophet, and uh, many of his psalms are direct prophecies of Jesus' coming. And I don't think Jesus, that David had an understanding that Jesus was going to be the real temple, but he had an understanding that God had a bigger plan for salvation than what, what, what he was about. Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Peter went on to say, Obviously, David died, and his tomb is still here. David wasn't talking about himself. Peter says David was a prophet. He foresaw the sufferings of Jesus Christ, whom the people that he was talking to had killed by handing him over to godless men and crucifying him. David didn't ascend unto the heavens, but he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. And then Peter went on, Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And many turned to the Lord. Thousands of them came to faith in Christ as they heard this. And they were convicted that, yes, we have rejected the Christ. No, we don't want to direct the Christ. We need to turn to the Lord. You know, I graduated from uh, seminary 20 years ago this year, and uh, one of the things that just I will never get over from my seminary experience and that has struck me the, the most in my seminary training was how the apostles in the early church came to apply the the jehovah title the title of the lord what we read in our bibles as lord l-o-r-d in capital letters the uh the apostles applied these texts to jesus and it's like when we go through some of us think oh when we read lord we think oh that's jehovah yes oh here's jehovah yes it's jehovah when we see lord in capital letters it's just as good to think and i think better to think lord capital letters that means jesus that means jesus every time you read it and sometimes we think oh the old testament is so boring i you know i'd rather read about jesus it is about jesus you know and whenever you read lord think jesus and and uh it will revitalize your reading uh, as you read through his word david said i was made for this jesus said i came to earth for this i came jesus is the reality david was a type of christ the, the types are always lesser than what they are the type of. Jesus is the real thing. David was the king of his people, but he was uh, foreshadowing Jesus Christ who is the eternal king. David died and he was in his grave and saw corruption, as, as Peter pointed out. Jesus Christ is the king forever of his people forever. He is the king of heaven, as we sang this morning. He's the real king. He's the real priest. He's the real Melchizedek. He's not a Levite, but he's the real priest. He's the real thing. He's what we need. The the person who can can reconcile us to God and he did it not by the blood of animals or anything, but his own blood. And he's the real temple. You know, uh, the people who were against Jesus in his day, the Jewish leaders, they wanted to kill him. They couldn't figure out how to kill him. And and fi- they couldn't get any of the charges that they trumped up against him to stick. And finally, the charge that they came up with that semi-stuck was he said he would destroy the temple, or that if they destroyed the temple, he would b- raise it up in three days. it's <laughs> Because he's the real temple. They did destroy the real temple. They killed his body. It was raised again by the Father and the Holy Spirit. It was raised on the th- and by, by a power of an indestructible life. He came back to life on the third day. He's the real thing. And David built the shadow. Well, he didn't build it. He wanted to build the shadow. Solomon built the shadow, which was the glory of the ancient world. Jesus Christ is the glory of heaven. He's the glory of heaven. He's the glory of our lives. You know, David wanted the 12 tribes to come in and to come in and with peace. Jesus is bringing the 12 tribes, and he came for the 12 tribes, but he came for the world. He came so that people from every tribe and tongue and nation will come in to his kingdom, will come in and form the new Jerusalem which is the bride of Jesus Christ. When we see in Revelation, it tells us this, that the, the new Jerusalem built upon the, the foundation of the apostles, and the, uh, uh, the 12 apostles, and the 12 gates. This always gets me reading this. The 12 gates are the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's like, what in the world? The bride of Jesus Christ and the 12 gates are the names of the tribes of Israel. Because it's all one. And uh, we're not looking for a Jerusalem to be built back and the Dome of the Rock to be destroyed in a Jerusalem. We're looking for the new Jerusalem to come down from heaven with the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles and everyone from every tongue and nation and language coming together to worship the Lord. It's what David was about. It's what Jesus Christ is about. It's what we're about. Praise God, we can be a small part of that here as we come together. To worship the lord jesus christ says i've worked for this living out obedience to the father you know uh, boys and girls do we have any stories of jesus when he was a boy one yeah yes yes Yes, that was yours too. Well, I hope it was everyone's because it's the only one. We have a story, you know, of, of you know them taking him to Egypt when he was a baby. But when he was big enough to do something by himself and make his own decision, he went to the temple and he decided to stay there, right? He stayed behind. Exactly. And uh, his parents said, where is he? Why, what's he doing? It's like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? David built that place. And he built it for Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ could come stay there and so that it would be a place that pointed to the future, to the real temple, to himself and to the church. And and Jesus stayed there talking with the scribes and talking about the law and and talking with the priests. And Jesus uh, was about his father's business. And then it says that he went back with his That wasn't the end of the story, was it? They found him, and they went back to Nazareth. And the last word of that section of the story, he went back with them to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. Hmm. So it wasn't that he was trying to disobey them. He was obeying his father, but he wanted to obey his parents. Do you want to obey your parents? Uh, I appreciate the honesty sometimes. Yeah, so, sometimes. Sometimes it's easier than other times. It depends. But that's what Jesus did. He submitted to his Father. You know, when you think about Jesus keeping the law, it's not all him parsing out, oh, this point of this law and where. It's that he was delighted to do the will of his Father. He loved his Father. He wanted to do the will of his Father all the time. And we're told in Scripture that that's how we should be, too, that we should want to do the will of God and want to follow Jesus all the time. And children, we need need to be wanting to obey our parents, too. That's the first command with a promise, right? Yeah, obey your parents. On the dark night that Jesus was betrayed by his friend in the Garden of Gethsemane, he fell on his face. And what did he say? Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will but yours his desire was to do the will of his father he went to the cross obeying his father jesus christ uh, said uh, uh, he he worked for this he did the works of active obedience the work of passive, passive obedience and dying and jesus uh, david said i imagine a better future than this jesus christ said this is my future This is my future, people coming in to worship from all over. The glory isn't in the past. The glory, did, Jesus came in, when he came up to Jerusalem, he wept over Jerusalem. Was he weeping over the temple being destroyed? I don't think he would. He was weeping over the people that were going to perish. He said, if only you had known what would make for your peace. But you don't know what's making for your peace. He didn't weep over the temple being destroyed because he's the temple. He, the, he, the real temple is, is uh, him. The temple age has come and gone. The age of Jesus Christ is now. It is the age of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to wrap this up here. You are the beloved of the Lord. He came to, to gather together a bride for himself. He he came to gather us together, to gather us together to worship him here. But more than that, the telos, the end, what we're going for is to be together forever, worshiping him together with all of his people uh, from every nation and every tribe. He has invested in his future, and his future is with you. His future is with us. Peace be within Jerusalem. Peace be within the church. Peace be within you. Because the Prince of Peace has come, and has come for you and given himself for your peace. I was so glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, we thank you that you have come to draw us to yourself, to give us your peace. And like the people of Jerusalem, we don't always... Go for the things that make for peace. But We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will work in our hearts more and more to embrace the things that work for peace, work for the glory of Christ, and uh, build up your church here at Second City, here in this country, and all around the world, in Jesus' name and for his glory.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to Second City Sermons Podcast. We hope this sermon has encouraged you to worship God and to celebrate the gospel of Jesus. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and joining us in person each Sunday at 10 a.m. You can find us online at secondcitychurch.org and on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.